have your Bibles, let's turn over to the book of Nehemiah. As you know, we've been in Nehemiah chapter 3, and we have been taking our first series in the Bible. We've only been functioning here as a church about eight weeks, maybe a little longer than that in our home also, but we have, we have been, uh, we've been taking a study out of the book of Nehemiah. And we know that Nehemiah, in an Old Testament sense, represents the going back of the Jew. The time of Israel and its great history has passed. David and Solomon were the apex of the nation of Israel, and because of sin in Israel's life, they, they went into deep apostasy. After Solomon, the kingdom gets split with his sons, and uh, the kings of Israel turned to all kinds of other gods and all kinds of traditions that were not found in the Old Testament law, and Israel's in a mess. They're taken into captivity by Nebuchadnezzar, Shennacherib, king of Assyria, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and for a period of time, 70-some years, they're under the, under the captivity of a Gentile nation. Then suddenly, in the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, they're allowed to go back. And Ezra and Nehemiah go back, and in this case, Nehemiah, he goes down and he destroy, or he observes the destruction in Jerusalem, how it lies waste. We've talked about this, and we read it when we started our study, I'm just kind of bringing you up to speed here, so if you're new here, you understand where we're coming from. And he sees the nation of Israel in disarray. The, the walls that were around Jerusalem that were the defense, the city on the inside, which what the walls defended, and the gates. They're all knocked off the hinges. They're all in a mess. And we've talked about how that, that destruction of Jerusalem, even though it happened many, many hundreds of years ago, is a picture in an inspirational sense of where the church is at today. The church has lost its punch, so to speak. The church has lost its ability to reach people. We've got a lot of things going on, a lot of things happening, but God's not in most of it. And we're seeing today where churches have lost the vision for what God intended them to be. Someplace along the line, I don't understand it, but someplace along the line, well, I do understand it, but you're supposed to say that so you don't think you know it all. Someplace along the line, it got screwed up where pastors and churches think that they exist for you to do something for them. And that's simply not true, folks. I am not here as a pastor, nor does this church exist, for me to ask what you can do for me. This church exists for what it can do for you. I exist for one reason as a pastor, that is to do for you what you need done in your life spiritually. Help you along the way. We've lost that concept. And because of that, we have looked at these nine gates. Nine being the number of fruit bearing in the Bible, we covered that. <clears throat> we have looked at these nine gates as the openings that you need to have into a church. Nine gates, each one of them, starting with the sheep gate, then we looked at the fish gate, then we looked at the old gate, then we looked at the valley gate, then we went through the dung gate. Last week we talked about the fountain gate. Each one of these gates represents something that this church needs to have in it. And as you come through these gates, you begin to see where the, where the aspects of a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching, New Testament church is founded on. And last week, as I said, we talked about the fountain gate, when we looked at the aspect of worship and fellowship. And we talked about how that when you get saved, you become a well of deep water, John chapter 4, which in time should spring up that others can drink from, the fountain gate. But today in chapter 3, verse 26 we're going to talk about probably the most important gate. 
It's certainly the gate that all the other ones really uh, form around, and it's the one that he spends the most time detailing, and it'll be the water gate. And he says in verse 26 of chapter 3 in the book of Nehemiah, Moreover, the Nethanims dwelt in Ophel, under the place over against the water gate, toward the east, and to the tower that lieth out. Now, Father, we thank you and praise you for the Lord Jesus. And we love you so much today, and we thank you for the opportunity to open up your word. We thank you for the regular folks that are here today, for the ones that are back, for our new visitors that are here today. We hope, Father, that today their hearts would be challenged, and they would see the heartbeat of this church. We're not big. We're not flashy. We don't have a lot of things to offer other than the thing that God intended us to offer, and that is the Word of God. And my friend, we will offer you the Word of God today. So help us, Lord. Help us today to open up your book, to preach it truly, to preach it honestly and openly. And Lord, may the Holy Spirit of God do the work of His office to reach down into our hearts, to touch our hearts, to stir our hearts with the things of your Word. And we'll thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, for a sake we ask it. Amen. Now, I told you when we started here, kind of like a little introduction, that the job of this church is to minister to you. Ephesians chapter 4, that great book of Ephesians where Paul talks about the church, and he really details the church in, uh, in uh, the chapters that are in that small book, but my, it's loaded with all of the aspects of the church. And he says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, that God gave some apostles. He gave some prophets. He gave some teachers. He gave some evangelists. And he's talking about the church, but he says the reason he gave them was the, for the perfecting of the saints. That has to start first. The perfecting of the saints. Taking God's people and perfecting them with the Word of God to the place that they're ready for the next step. The perfecting of the faith, the work of the ministry. And that's exactly what God is all about. He says for the perfecting of the faith, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. The job of the church is to edify you to help build you up, to help make you strong. Now, in the process of that, when you're dealing with human beings, you have problems you have to work through. We all get into messes from time to time, and, and uh, I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. It doesn't make any difference to me at all. It doesn't make any difference to God. All God looks for is where you're at right now and where you want to go from this point on. And if that means that you want to embrace the Word of God, that you want to learn more about it, then that's exactly where God wants you to be, and that's what the church ought to be doing. It ought to be perfecting you for the work of the ministry and edifying you, not tearing you down, not bringing you to the point where uh, they have any class distinction as far as, uh, you know, uh, we'll give more to this person than we will to this because we hope this person will give more to us when this person won't. That's immaterial. You all have something to offer God this morning, and that's why God saved you. You all have some benefit in the ministry. That's why God called you. My job, the job of this church, and the job of each other is to encourage each other, to edify each other, uh, that we can get the work of the ministry done. And I have no doubt in God's timing that we'll do exactly what God wants us to do here at the Old Paths Baptist Church. Now, he talks about in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 14, he talks about spiritual gifts. And in that list of spiritual gifts, he names some things, but he says that the number one spiritual gift, or the one that you should look for more than anything else, is prophecy. Now, we think of prophecy, we think of the book of Revelation. And that's true, that's, uh, that's prophecy. But in the Bible, the word prophecy means more than just some future event. It means to preach. It means to take the Word of God, open it up, and to expound it. And he says the job of the church, number one should be, and the, the gift you should desire more than anything else, 
is to be able to take the Word of God and to preach it and to expound it and to teach somebody else uh, the Word of God. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3, that he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification, to exhortation, and comfort. And that is why that when you come to the water gate, you're looking at the gate that represents the Bible teaching ministry of any church. It's the gate where the water flowed through. And as you come here on Sunday morning, you come here on Thursday night, that gate opens up as we open up the book and the water flows and you, uh, you get immersed in that water and you grow in that water and it's an incredible thing. Bible says, the Bible says that uh, uh, the Word of God was given. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. And there's four things that it's profitable for. And if you want the Bible in a nutshell, if you want to say, well, give me one verse that gives me an outline of why God gave the Bible for my life. It's this verse. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. That means that the Bible is different than any other book the world has ever seen. Every other book that's on this planet, man wrote. This book, God wrote. And the Bible says all Scripture. He's not talking about the original manuscript. You say, how do you know that? Because the original manuscripts weren't Scripture. He's talking about some book. I wonder which one it could be. He's talking about some book that God wrote that God gave the man, that he gave it by inspiration, and it's profitable. What's it profitable for? First thing is doctrine. That's the first thing we talked about a couple of weeks ago. We talked about how that this church has to be doctrinally pure. A Christian has to be doctrinally pure. Now, that doesn't mean that there isn't room for uh, different ideas, or maybe somebody sees a verse different than this. I mean, on Monday night Bible study, or Thursday night Bible study, when we study the Word of God together, I mean, somebody will come up and he'll say, well, you know, I don't, you know, maybe that verse, I heard what you said, and I like that, but have you ever seen this? Or maybe, and hey, let's face it, nobody's got the corner on the market when it comes to the Word of God. I'm not under any delusion that God doesn't show you things and He doesn't show me. And I can't learn from you. And uh, there have been many a time that somebody said something to me and uh, it tricked the turn the light on boy and, and, and I went home and, and saw something totally different. Of course, you'll never know about that. I won't tell you that, no. I, I tell you, I call you up the phone and say, hey man, you gave me a key that really opened this thing up. That's the good news. The bad news is I got a great sermon and I'm going to wax your tail with it on Sunday morning. See, uh, it, it's one of those things where God uses everybody. That's the beauty of the local body of Christ. That's the beauty of the local church. He says it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. And then he says, for instructions in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Now that's a great verse. Because it says that the word of God was given by inspiration and is profitable, first of all, for doctrine. You know what doctrine is? I gave you this a couple of weeks ago. Doctrine is what's right in the Bible. Doctrine will show you what's right. It'll give you God's opinion on everything in life that when you read it, you can know what God thinks about it, then you can see what the world says about it, or you can see what somebody else said about it, but you can go to an absolute inspired Bible that is perfect, and you can read what God said about it and get God's take on it, and that's called doctrine. And doctrine will show you what's right. That's why he put that down first. Because we as God's people in the world that we live in, we need to know what's right because there's a lot of wrong out there. So the next thing he says, it's profitable for reproof. That's what's wrong. See, the Bible not only shows you what's right, the Bible shows you what's wrong. 
When you reprove somebody, you show them what's wrong and you show them what is wrong with their teaching. I told you a couple of weeks ago when we talked about doctrine that I believe that God will build this church and I believe that they'll, I, I'm not, I, when we're talking about the dung gate, I said there were, there were eight gates in and one gate out. And that gate out was to take out the refuge, take out the trash. And I believe as well as I'm standing here that not everybody that comes to this church will want to be a part of this church because some people don't want to do what's right. I believe that God will use it as a proving ground. I believe that there will people come in who will say, man, this is what I've been looking for and I need to learn the Word of God and I finally found a place where I can learn the Bible at my own speed that nobody's going to put the hammer on me and I can have anything I want that this church is here for me, not expecting the, uh, me to be there for them. But you'll find some other people that'll come in who God will bring them in and God will expose them the truth. And they may have some preconceived idea. They may have some doctrine that they have been taught that's wrong. And God will use that to prove them if they're really open when it comes to the Word of God. I told you before, the number one philosophy of my life in the Bible and about the Bible is this. I believe the Bible absolutely from cover to cover, including the cover. I believe the Bible is the absolute infallible Word of God, and I have studied it all my life, but I also believe a lot of things about the Bible. I'd sit down with you. We'd go for a long time talking about what I think about the Bible, but you know what? No matter what I teach you, no matter what I believe, I don't want to believe anything in the Bible that God didn't want me to believe. I don't have any doctrine in my life, anything that I believe, that I wouldn't change in five seconds. If God showed me clearly, that's not the way it is. You know why? Because along with doctrine comes reproof. And I want what the Bible says. I don't want what Bible Alexander wants to believe. Too many people want to believe something. Too many people today want to believe something in spite of what the Word of God says. So the Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. For doctrine shows you what's right. For reproof shows you what's wrong. Then he says, for correction. Not only does it show you what's right and show you what's wrong, now he'll show you how to fix it. That's what I love about God. God says, Bob, that's wrong, or that's right, that's wrong. Now, let me show you how to fix it. You know, that's a stickler for a lot of people. I know people that say, that's right and that's wrong, but I don't want to fix it. And I'll tell you what, that's going to lead you to some problems. I want God to show me from his word what's right. I want him to show me what's wrong. And then I want to show him to show me what's wrong in my life and show me how to fix it. Now, I may not like that. I'm not going to sit up here and say, when I go hear somebody preach or hear one of you guys preach, it, that, that I like everything you say. You know why I don't like some of the things you guys say? Because you're right. And I'm wrong. And I'm a human just like you. I don't like to be wrong. I mean, we're all the same way, and I'll tell you what, I used to think of, uh, through the Bible, I had a message one time that I used to preach on marks of spiritual growth, how you could mark your spiritual growth in your life by looking back and say, hey, I'm making progress in life. And it was a great message, and I still got it, and I'll probably preach it to you sometime, but I, I've kind of condensed it. I'll tell you the greatest mark to know if you're growing in the Lord or not. Now, I don't know where you're at in the Lord. I love you no matter where you're at. You may be here this morning and you may not know nothing about the Bible. I love you. You may be here this morning and know everything about the Bible. I love you. You may be here this morning, maybe somewhere in between, and you may want to learn the Bible. Maybe you're sitting here saying, how did I ever get into this place? I want out of here. I still love you. I don't care. I love you unconditionally. 
I do. But I want to tell you something. If you ever want to know how you can tell if you have grown spiritually, I'll tell you the one test. Just go into somebody preaching and sit down there and let him preach on your, and step all over your toes spiritually and hit your pet sins and nail you up one side and down the other and then come out and say to yourself, I like that. I enjoyed that. You know what the Bible says? In Proverbs chapter 27, it says, The full soul loatheth the honeycomb, but him that loveth the honeycomb, the Word of God, even the bitter things are sweet. Now, that's the how, how you can tell if you're coming along or not. I mean, I've had people where you, I, all my life, people didn't like me just because how I preached. Good. <laughs> I mean, not good that they don't like me. I mean, that I preach good. I mean, I mean, that I said things they didn't like. And they get mad. And I never lied to them. And that's another thing. I told you that before. I can't understand why people get mad when you tell them the truth. If I lied to you, you get mad. But if I tell you the truth, don't get mad. But people do. You know why? Because this book is the strangest book the world has ever seen. And this book will make you or break you. And this book is profitable for you. So when it gets into the water gate, and we haven't even got there yet. I'm not, we may have to break this down into two weeks of messages. I don't know. But when you look at this water gate, it's an incredible thing. And it's why everything flows from that. So not only is the Word of God given by inspiration that's profitable for doctrine and reproof, it's profitable for correction. It shows you how to fix it. You know why God ordained preaching? You know why he says that prophesying, preaching is the best thing over all the other gifts? I'll tell you why. You know what happens when you come to church on Sunday morning? Here's what happens. You go all week long. And I, very few of us all week long uh, stay right with God all week long. Things come into your life. Come on, you know you do. I know they do in my life. We don't always do things that are right. And sometimes when you show up on Sunday morning, you haven't taken care of business the way you should have. And the Bible says this. If he's faithful, if, if, if the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. When you sin on a daily basis, say you go back to, you go out of here today and you're all excited and you're fired up and tomorrow something happens. You know, some lady pulls out in front of you or some guy pulls out in front of you and you, you know, or something goes bad at work or that favorite person at work irks you the wrong way, you know, or I don't know, whatever the case may be. And you know, by 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, you've blown it. And you know what? At that point in your life, you ought to stop and say, God, I'm sorry. I love you. You mean more to me in everything world, and I don't want anything to come between me and you because I know that I have to walk in the light as you are in the light to have fellowship with you. We talked about that last week. So therefore, I'm stopping right now, and I'm confessing it. I shouldn't have got mad at that woman. I shouldn't have shot her in both legs and left her alongside of the road. I shouldn't have beat that guy up, or I shouldn't have let that guy beat me up. However, it went down. I'm sorry, Lord. Forgive me, and fellowship is restored. But you know what? We don't do that all the time. You ought to. The goal of your life ought to be able to get to that place where you do. So you show up, to, and I'll tell you and, and you, and God is your heavenly father and you're his child. And I've raised kids. You know how to raise kids, don't you? You want to have fellowship with your kids. But when the kids don't do right and you say, honey, don't do that. And they say, okay, daddy, I'm sorry, I won't do it anymore. Well, good, good girl. Good boy. Everything's fine. You know what happens. You know how kids are. Kids are like you. they got an old sin nature. Honey, don't do that. Why do I want to do it? I know, but 
honey, you, you just don't want to do that. You're going to get hurt. I ain't going to get hurt. Well, you're in the middle of the road. There's a, there's a cement truck coming down the road. In about 15 seconds, you're going to change your philosophy of life. Now, you can either come to over here or you and daddy are going to go in the room and we're going to talk about a career change for you. Okay? Now, what do you want to do? And you know what happens if they consistently, consistently, and I know what mothers do. Mothers are the sweetest thing in the world. But, uh, you know, they, they'll say, I'm not going to tell you again. Kid says, oh, yeah, you're good for seven. I'm not going to tell you again. <laughs> and I'm counting them right now. We're only on four. I got to do what I want for three more. I'm not going to tell you again. And then I'll listen. They know how to figure it out. Isn't that what we do with God? Sure it is. God taps you on the shoulder and you say, okay, all right. Well, just let me hang in here for a little longer. I know I got to get right, but just let me stay with it for a little while. Oh, that's we do the same thing. What do you think your kids learned it from? You think they just learned it because they learned it? They learned it from us. You learn to tell your kid one time, don't do that. Kid says, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Hey, good. We're making progress. When he don't, you know how it goes, when it prolongs goes, you have to give him a spanking. We've not had to give Maddie a spanking yet. She's probably going to be the most perfect kid that ever lived, because, but she won't have to. Well, that's going to be a bad day when we have to spank Maddie. Maybe the kids already have. I don't know. She's, I don't know how, but anyway, but there's going to come a day when she, I mean, she's the sweetest thing in the world. I mean, she loves her grandpa, you know, we go every place together, you know, and I'm up there and she smiles, she looks for me. They say, Barb watches her two days a week while Jamie works, you know, and, and they bring her up in the morning. She says, Papa, Papa, I want to see Papa. Then when she gets there, she doesn't want anything to do with me. But anyway, that's just, <laughs> but one of these days, oh, it's going to be tough, man. I ain't doing it. <laughs> No, no, I teach the Bible to my kids. They have to handle all the other stuff. Well, I can't even, I can't even get mad at my labs. I got three labs. I got a black one, I got a brown one, and I got a yellow one. Shem, Ham, and Japheth. I don't want to tell you. And I'll come down the steps, you know, and I, I'm going to put a little video camera down there sometime because while I'm upstairs, they get one of them, or all of them, I don't know, they get the paper out, and they just out of the pens, and he just, I mean, I can shred it everywhere. I know they're not reading it. Uh, they're just ripping from one end to the other. And then when they hear me come down the steps, I walk around, and I say, what is this? What happened? And they're all, the yellow one, she's on the couch going, she's looking at me. I've been here the whole time, you know. The black one, she's laying over here, you know, just saying, Dad, I'm the oldest, and I don't believe they're doing what they're doing. But, you know, I'm hanging. And the brown one, he's the biggest one, 110 pounds, big old baby. Call him Buddy. He's sitting over here, and he, he's dumber than the other two. The other two put on a great act. Not Buddy. Buddy's sitting over there with a sheepish grin, on, a sheepish look in his face, cowling down. And if that wasn't all, there's a piece of newspaper hanging out the side of his mouth. Now, what's this picture all about? How many times in life I have been caught with a piece of newspaper hanging out of my mouth with God? We say, oh, God, it wasn't me. God says, yeah, it was you. How do you know? Because you've got a piece of newspaper hanging out of your mouth. That's the mark, man. You want to find out how you're growing spiritually? Tell you. How good can you take it today? When you walk out of here and you're saying, oh, man, that was good. Oh, that was good. We don't like the, we don't like the, we don't like pain, do we? No, we don't. We don't. Society doesn't. And uh, you know what? It's hard to, when something hurts, it's hard to say it feels good. It feels good. You know, we got to praise God for everything. But it's tough to. I'm not like that. 
I was running, the, I used to take the black dog and she likes to run. And I used to jog, I still do dog, but I don't take her anymore. And I used to run. And I'd run up around the school, you know. And, you know, and she'd run with me and we'd get a good pace going. And it was a fun time. She'd bounce up in the air. She was just happy to be with me. And I'll never forget one time. And I, and I always try to praise God for everything. I do. Even the bad things. I mean, I just say, Lord, you know what you're doing. But, it's, you know, it's okay when, it's, when, it, when it doesn't really hurt. But if it really hurts, it's tough. I mean, you hit yourself with a hammer. I mean, I, not too many people say, Praise God from whom all throbbings throw. I mean, and, I went, and we're running along up there. We're coming out of the track. And, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm having a good time. You know, we're bouncing around. And she likes balls. She's chased balls all the time. I mean, she will die in her track chasing a tennis ball. I have to keep her away from the baseball field. They knocked one over the fence one time, and she got the baseball, wouldn't give it back to the guys. I mean, she's gone with it, man. And I see, this, I see this orange ball here. And I'm saying, oh, this is going to be fun. So I'm running along, and I unsnapped her because I'm going to kick this little orange ball some kid left up here, and she'll go chase it, and we'll play it for a while. And we're running along, and I'm getting a side on it now because I'm going to come in. And I kicked that thing with my hand, and somebody had left a shot put <laughs> on the field. Wasn't what I thought it was. <clears throat> I ain't kidding you. And I'm a mile from home. Now, if I'd have had Buddy, I'd have just saddled him up and had him drag me home. But Tinker ain't going to do that. So I'm, I mean, I'm, she, and she still wants to run. She doesn't understand. His foot's hurt. He's got a limp. No, 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 no. It's, we ran here. Let's run home. And I'm all the way down there, and I'm trying to do the best out of this. I mean, I, I'm just saying, Lord, thank you for this. Yeah, right. Sure. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Can we do it again? <laughs> you know, I mean, it hurts. It's tough to thank God when it hurts, isn't it? It really is. But the mark for you and for me of growing spiritually, I'll tell you what it is. You don't have to go pay somebody $1,000 to do a spiritual chart on you. Give me half the money and I'll just give you one verse. The bitter things are sweet. Do you love it when the book comes all over you? See, that comes from realizing that the Scripture was given by God. And the reason why God chose to do it that way, because just like your child, if you don't do what's right, if you don't do what's right, and you don't do what's right, sooner or later, God's going to come down and say, okay, let's go down to the woodshed and we're going to have a talk. And God's going to whip you. That's why God said, confess your sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. That's why God said, all right, thou confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and all those things. And he talked about the fact that uh, uh, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, will cleanse us from all sin. And we, we can do all those things. But if you don't do it in time, God deals with you on his own. Now, the reason why God has a church, so that intermediate phase. You go all week long and maybe you show up this morning, you've got some things in your life you shouldn't have. Scripture's profitable. Why you're here today, I don't know what it is. I don't care what it is. But you know what? You know what it is. And right now, God showed you doctrine. God showed you what's right in your life. And now the other side has come up. I may not even preach on it, but God showed you what's wrong. Now I've told you, you can correct it. Ooh, now you got a decision. And you see, the reason why God had the church for edification, for preaching. So when you come in here this morning, maybe you're not where you need to be. You'll hear some good hard preaching. You'll take it to heart. You'll deal with your sin. And by doing that, God won't have to come down and deal with it. You'll take care of yourself. That's what it's all about. The church is everything you need. 
The Bible is everything you need. It shows you what's right. It shows you what's wrong. It's for correction. It'll show you how to fix it. And then he says, for instructions in righteousness. You know what the next thing it does? It shows you how to keep it right. It's, it's incredible. It's incredible. You have everything you need in that book to get you through everything in life. My job, the job of this church, is to help you dig it out. It's to help you apply it. It's to help you, I mean, <clears throat> most guys don't dress well. Some guys do. Some guys can go to a, go to a thing and they walk out and they're immaculate. Man, I think a plaid blazer with striped pants and a polka dotted tie is great. You see? What are you laughing at, Jimmy? Look at you this morning. <laughs> but you know what? When I buy clothes, I take my wife with me. Because she, she really picks them out. I mean, I'll, I'll ask her even when I'm coming to church. I'll say, is this tie? Because I think all ties go. I, th I thought they just had to be long. I mean, you know, some ties don't go good with other things. My wife will say, I don't, why don't you wear this tie? You know, she's being nice by saying, ugh, you don't want to wear that today, you know. And she helps you get, pick out the clothes. My daughters can do that. My, dad, my daughters will, can get someplace, and, and I don't know. You know, they, styles change. I, I don't know how styles go. I don't. Man, I, you know, they wear, sometimes they wear their shirts in, then they wear them out. You know, sometimes, I, I have never gotten why you want to wear your pants down to here. I've never figured that out. More than the why is how do you keep them from coming all the way down. That's what I want to know. I, I never forget. But, you know, trends come, trends go. I mean, I learned a long time ago, if you keep your suits long enough, they will come back in style. Just stay with it. But most women, most men don't know how to dress. And most women know how to dress them. And you know what? That's all it is with the Word of God. You're here this morning, and maybe you don't understand everything about the Bible. You don't know how to apply it all. Hey, that's what we're here for. We'll help you put it on right. We'll tell you what matches. We'll tell you what goes and what doesn't go. Well, that, you, you have a personality, and your personality is different than the person sitting to you. Now, obviously, the Bible's for everybody, and it has these things that fit into everybody. But you know what? Everybody's different. That doesn't mean the Bible applies to one person and not to somebody else, but it means that within who you are, you may have different problems than somebody else. You may have different needs. What this guy needs, maybe you don't need. And what you need, maybe this person doesn't need. And to go to a church where they just kind of blast you, you know, with uh, all the Bible, you know, and then you go home and nobody ever is there for you, and, you know, you, you know, don't bother me, I'm busy, you know, and all that stuff. Hey, that's not what you need. The church exists. This water gate is here. This water gate exists for one reason, and that is that you can get what you need and match it to your soul, match it to your personality, breathe in everything that you want in your life, and get, God can get everything out for the ministry, for the work of God, that you can perfect yourself on a day daily basis that's why we're here that's why we're here the scripture was given for that purpose it was given by inspiration of God and it's profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect thoroughly furnished not finished furnished you know why the Holy Spirit of God lives inside you we've talked about it before your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost if you go back to the Old Testament and see the literal temple that where the priest did the work there was some furnishings in there and the high priest is living inside your temple and he wants to do some work and you have to provide the furnishings go back and see it sometime there was the candlesticks 
It had seven candlesticks on it. We talked about it the other night in Bible study, the seven personalities of the Spirit of God, or the seven functions of the Holy Spirit of God. We talked about it the other week. There was bread in there. And that bread was that bread was lined out in one, two, three, four, five, six, and then one, two, three, four, five, six. I mean, that bread's a picture of the Word of God. That priest went in there every morning. He ate of that bread. There was no other light in there. It was completely dark. There was no other light in there except that candle, those candlesticks. And that minister, that priest, had to do all of the work by that light. And you know what? If he got in the way of the light, he couldn't see what he was doing. And when you get in the way of the light of God inside your temple, you don't know what you're doing. There's furnishings in there. Six, 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 six loaves of bread, six loaves of bread, 66 books. Beat it. I'm a priest, Hebrews, the book of Hebrews says. Not in the Old Testament sense. I'm a priest after the order of Melchizedek. I'm an eternal priesthood. The day I got saved, I become a priest. And in this temple, the high priest wants to do a work. And when you take the Word of God through the water gate, you build your life, you go to church, you exercise your spiritual gifts, God takes you, He trains you, you work through your problems, there's somebody there to help you, there's somebody there that gives you everything that you need, and you recognize the Word of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, not sinlessly perfect, perfect under the work of God. Perfect. Thruly furnished, not thoroughly, thruly, from the inside out, not from the outside in. Thruly furnished. It starts inside your soul and works its way out. Thruly furnished unto all good works, that the man of God may be thoroughly uh, furnished unto all good works. The work of God in your life takes place inside this temple, just like it did in the Old Testament in a literal temple. The high priest lives inside you, the Holy Spirit of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And just as there were furnishings back there, you build those furnishings in your life by what you do with the Word of God. Today, I look around here, and I love you all. But you know what? There's people here, and, and not because you're a bad person, but there's people here that are in different stages of furnishing that temple. You find that in any church. There's somebody in here that you've got the furnishings, and you're going, man. You're perfected, and your understanding is a daily process, but you're in the work of the ministry. You're witnessing witness people. You take care of your families. You, you study the Bible. You know the Bible, and you're out there ministering to other people. Some of you are in the middle of that, and you're just trying to get it together. Some of you, maybe this is the first time you ever heard this in your life, and you say, oh, I really want a relationship with God. How do I do it? You start by building those furnishings on the inside. You don't have to run out and buy a book. You don't have to go to somebody's seminar. You just find your church that understands what it ought to be doing. That'll take the time to be there. No pressure. Nobody's saying, well, you should be farther along here. What's your problem here? What's your deal? No, you go at your own pace. I promise you, you start doing what's right with God and the Word of God, and God will take care of itself. I don't have to supervise your spiritual growth. It'll take care of itself. Because the Word of God is put together that way. When you get to the water gate and the water gate starts to flow, let me tell you something. It's an incredible thing. You know, churches, not only do per people have personalities, but churches have personalities. 
And people have personalities based on, you know, when they're born and they're raised and they, they grow up in life, you know, and uh, the events that happen to them in their life, it forms their personalities. They, child psychologists say that by the time a child's two or three years old, his, you know, personality is pretty well all complete. The rest of it is just going to reveal itself. That's why the Bible says that train up a child in the way he should go. Train him up. You raise rabbits. You raise chickens. You train children. You raise corn, you raise peas, beans, watermelon, you train children. From the time they're infants, you train them in the way they should go. That's how you do it. Well, that's how you do it here. If that child's personality begins to develop, the best time to start with a young Christian is when they get saved. And you start to take them and to work with them and to train them and work through whatever. Now, sometimes, that you know, perfect world, that's the way it should be. It isn't a perfect world. Sometimes you get them to come in and they've got a lot of baggage. Sometimes they've had some tragedy in their lives. Been through a divorce. Been through some problems. Been through this, been through that. I don't care. God doesn't care. God wants to know what you want to do from this point on. That's all. You say, well, I've got all these suitcases. No problem. We'll open them up one at a time. We'll throw out what ain't any good. We'll keep what is good. And we'll go from there. That's all there is to it. That's the job of the church. And as you do that, the church builds its personality. And you go over to the book of Revelation, there's seven churches. Now, I know they represent seven periods of church history. Certainly they do. But in an application, in a spiritual sense, I also believe they re- represent the seven personalities that churches can have. And I know that churches have personalities. You have some that, you know, they, they cater to the rich folks. They don't care where you're at. As long as you can't do something for them, they don't want anything to do with you. Yeah, you can come. But we're going to focus on these people. You have some that have great crowds of people. But the guy that gets up, he never says anything. He gets his sermons off the Internet. He's too busy playing golf out there on the week to spend any time in the Word of God. Maybe he doesn't even believe the Word of God. So he gets his someplace else. And the people come and they come and they come and they starve to death. But because he's got such a, uh, you know, such he's got, got all of the bells and whistles, man, that people are looking for today, people just keep flocking in, but they don't stay. They just, I mean, it looks good on the outside, but when you really get into examining, they're just passing through. Then they go on to a next show. Like an old friend of mine one time, we went to a church, a big old church. It wasn't over here, and he's, a, he's an old war horse, and he went in there and he says, my goodness. He says, there ain't a tent big enough in this city to put this circus under. Uh, and, and that's the way it is. It's the way it is. And those are the kind of personalities churches take on. And whatever personality the church is will be the personality of the people. Shallow churches produce shallow people. Churches that don't know how to deal with problems will produce people that don't know how to deal with problems. Sometimes they don't want to deal with problems. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, this church's personality has to be one where the book is everything. The Word of God is everything. And that we understand the personality of this church is that, that you're not here for us. You're not here for me. This church exists for one reason. I exist as pastor for one reason. That is for you. Whatever you need. When somebody dies, I'm there to bury you. When somebody gets married, I'm there to marry you. When somebody has a trial in their life, I'm there. When somebody says, I just want to, Bob, I just need to learn the Bible, I'm there. It isn't, well, <clears throat> yes, we'll just... Let me give you something to read here, and, uh, and, you go, uh, and you just go read this, and then, you know, you'll be fine. No, no, that's not what you need. You need somebody to sit down and make a vested interest in your life. 
someone that will take the Word of God, sit down with you, and give you whatever you need and work through the Word of God to help you come to the place that your personality gets molded and shaped and formed, that you become the man that God wants you to be, that you become the woman that God wants you to be. And in all of those things, you're perfected unto all good works for the work in the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. You say, what's the end result? The end result is then you take what you've got and you give it to somebody else. This church will never grow because people come by. This, uh, some of the guys said, oh, we need to get a sign out front. I'm not against that. I mean, get a sign that says Old Paths Baptist Church, Jeremiah chapter 6, you know, <clears throat> and all this thing, you know. <clears throat> come here, the greatest preacher that ever lived. I don't care what they put on. But, anyway, but, but let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. And that's all true. But let me tell you something. <laughs> that is not going to build this church. Not going to build this church. People are not going to get stopped. You're not going to be driving down the road, going to the golf thing, and they say, Oh, Old Paths Baptist Church, we're going to miss it. Let's turn around. No, it ain't going to happen. It ain't going to it's going to happen because this church becomes a personality. And these people in here know other people that you love, that you care about. That's where it starts. It's you know what you've got and you see somebody out there that maybe doesn't have it, that's a good person and got some great qualities. And you just say, you know what? Or maybe they're just looking for a church and you, you just use what God has given you. That's how it's going to go because people care about people. That's the personality this church needs to be. It's going to come because of the fact that we, are, that we, are, that we have a common mind and a, and a personality is a oneness. Everybody thinks, well, you know, well, my job is this and my job. No, no. The job of everybody in here is onefold. I used to do a little thing when I preached. I used to do a lot of... <clears throat> motivational stuff for churches, you know, and, 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 and preach a lot of different places. And I'd always tell them, and I, I'd get preaching about the church, and I'd always use this little example. I would always say, okay, we're going to pretend right now that we're a firehouse and that we're all firemen. And I'm the chief. And everybody's going to have their job. And I'd come around and say, you're going to drive the truck. You're going to make sure the hoses are all on the truck. That's your job, okay? You're going to make sure that we got water in the fire truck, okay? You are going to pass out the hats. Make sure everybody's got one. You, oh, I don't know what we're going to do with you. All right, you're going you're gonna to run the ladder that goes up, okay? Now, we're a firehouse. Now, we're all firemen. Now, let's make sure everybody's got their job. And I go down, and I do that to a crowd. And I go down, and I'd say, we don't have to do it now. And I, I say, now what's your job? And you'd say, driving the truck. I say, what's your job? And you say, the hoses. I say, what's your job? And you'd say, yeah, water truck. What's your job? Pass out the hats. What's your job? You're going to run the ladder up. And I'd say, no! That's not your job. Our job, put out fires. See that thing? That's our job. But we get so busy doing our own thing that we forget that we exist here as a team for each other. Like the hat, I'll pass them out. <laughs> we exist for each other. That's why we're here. You all may have jobs. That's fine. But understand that the real job is building a church, reaching people, touching their lives, putting out fires. Now that's what the Watergate does for you. The water gate is a gate that the water flows through. The water gate is a gate that we take. 
we bring in here the teaching ministry of this church, the, the, the Word of God in this church, and the way it's presented, the way it's taught, the way it's given out, it molds and shapes the personality of this church, that this church stays as doctrinally pure as it can, it stays right on top of things the way that it should, and it built around the aspect, and it goes after the greatest thing that God ever wanted us to go after, and that is truth. And that truth is put out to people, and people can take it, or they can leave it. The ones that want to grow, hey, we'll do everything we can. The ones that don't want to grow, we'll still love them. We'll still pray for them. And we'll still say, anytime you want to do what the Word of God says, we're here. Unconditional love. Unconditional giving. Unconditional teaching of the Word of God. The Watergate. The Watergate. All Scripture is given by inspiration and is profitable for doctrine for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, doctrine, doing what's right, reproof, knowing what's wrong, for correction, knowing how to fix what's wrong, instruction in righteousness, knowing how to keep it fixed, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. That's our job. It's loving each other, loving others, bringing them in, Helping them understand what the Word of God has for them. Helping them realize what they've got in the Word of God. We're going to talk about that next week. We didn't even get into this thing to any depth. We're just, that's, this is the introduction, one-on-one. I told you about the Watergate today. We're going to look at the Watergate next week. And we're going to see the aspects of it. But that's what it's all about. Hey, I thank God <coughs> for the men and women that, that are in this ministry. I do. I tell you, God just keeps bringing great people around us and into us. And we get visitors every time. And, you know, we, we just, it's, God is on the way of doing some great things. And it didn't cause of me, it didn't cause of you, it caused of this book and the attitude we have about it. I'm going to tell you something. This book, I can stand as a living testimony as many as you can. This book will be there for you when nobody or anything else is. This book will get you through when nothing else will get you through. It is worthy and worthy and worthy of you investing the rest of your life in it because when all is said and done, when all your friends leave you, when everything in your world is upside down, it is the one stable thing that will never change. It is the absolute final authority. It's God's opinion on everything and it's fixed and it's inspired and it's given to you and it will get you through every tough thing in life. And I'm telling you, and this church needs to have, continue to have, Bible preaching, Bible teaching ministry, the Watergate, the Watergate. Let's pray. Father.